Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expand upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and we have fun doing it. Right, Matt? This week, we are spouting off about rolling your own solution for privacy. So let's get into episode 67. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Linode and Bitwarden. With me today, as refreshing as a crisp late summer morning, Wendy, and like a late summer rain that dumps all over you during your backyard party, Matt, how are you? He's speechless, just speechless. That's how he is. Uh, nope, I'm trying to be really good right now. <laughs> you don't try. There was some extremely funny banter just before we actually started recording the show, and Matt is still stuck on that piece of banter. Yeah, he's definitely stuck. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so speaking of stuck... Sounds like you got your fingers stuck in a new CPU, buddy? No, I didn't get it stuck in a new CPU. got it stuck in a new system that finally decided to show up after a month. Oh, a whole new system. <laughs> yeah, a whole new system. Like how many new systems has it been this year? This is like number 16? It's only two. If you say so. No, it literally has been because the Acer that I had originally bought, I sold because it didn't have what I needed it to because the power drop was like way too low for any like real content stuff, bad purchase on my part. I'll totally own that. Mm -hmm. But that was in December of last year. Oh, was that December already? Yeah. I thought that was just like the other week. Was the Atari <laughs> this year or last year? I think that was this year also. Honestly, don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't really count that because that's more of a console. I don't count consoles. That was this year. <laughs> it is. But when we're talking about new things that you've had or that you've been operating and doing, I think that's why it feels like there's been so many because there's been several different Atari upgrades, of course, getting it. Touché. The laptop that didn't work properly and, you know, it just yeah. feels like you've had more <laughs> hardware come in. You wouldn't be wrong. Matt just likes to justify whatever his purchases are because I think he still has guilt about a few years ago when he said he wasn't going to buy anything new. And then he like totally did after three months. <laughs> totally broke it right off the bat. It was even three months. I'll be totally real. It was like a month and a half. I guess I was even benefit <laughs> of the doubt. That was weird. <laughs> I know. That was really weird. Where's Nate? What have you done with him? You never give him the benefit of the doubt. I think I left him in the office. Did you leave him back at self? He might have died on the way home from self. <laughs> or still catching up on sleep from self. Could be. But anyway, to answer your questions, <laughs> uh, yes, this particular system that I just got is the Minis Form V2 2-in-1 tablet Microsoft Surface device. This was a giant pain in the butt to actually get them to ship. So... The last system that I bought from Minis Forum was the uh, system that I used as my primary desktop, quote unquote. I was totally fine with them. It was going to be a six week wait because they weren't shipping and all that stuff. This one was, oh, it's in stock and ready for purchase. They didn't tell me I would have to wait a month. <laughs> they didn't tell me that I would have to hassle them about, hey, can I get at least an update about when this is going to ship? Even rough, rough updates would be nice. But for all of that problem, it's here. The specs are, it's a i7 12th gen, four core, I think it's four core, eight thread, 32 gigs of RAM, terabyte SSD, a 4K screen on a 13.4 inch screen. Actually, it's more than 4K. It's 3840 by 2400. So it's 1920 by 1200 doubled. And actually, unlike the Surface devices, comes with the keyboard, comes with the stylus, and Windows that lasted not even the initial boot before it got nuked off this system. Woohoo! Didn't want to wait for the warranty period on this one? Being the fact that it's from Hong Kong, I'm pretty sure if something goes wrong, I'm up the creek without the paddle. At this point, wasn't too worried about it. I will say, all that specifications and stuff and specs... It was an $1,100 purchase. Wow. A Surface device without the keyboard. A similar spec system is like a $2,500 purchase. <laughs> or $2,299 last time I looked. It is absurd. That's a lot of why I wanted to go with this system. And I needed it for the fact that it has two Thunderbolt ports. And it also has USB-C for power. So I can potentially get an external eGPU and actually be able to do more desktop-oriented gaming at home as opposed to having to come and travel at my studio all the time. Gotcha. That was the biggest reason why I really kind of wanted to get this because it's a space saver. The laptop was more for, honestly, it's been sitting at the studio most of the time, <laughs> to be brutally honest, as far as when I use it. So 
But yeah, overall, build quality is really good. It's got like the magnesium kind of backing though. So fingerprint magnet, which is kind of annoying. Keyboard's not bad. It has a nice strong magnet for those uh, pogo pins on the bottom, the, kind of like the surface devices do as far as like the pole to the actual spot it's supposed to go and stuff. The way they do kind of like for the laptop position, for like the second position on the keyboard or for the keyboard that would normally kind of attach up a little bit for the bezel to give you kind of a more of a keyboard 45 degree angle kind of deal is not that strong because I constantly keep knocking it off when I type, which is kind of annoying. But, you know, I don't expect a whole lot when it comes to that particular end of things. I mean, like there's going to be compromises at, a you know, half the price of a surface device so yeah right now it is running garuda after i jumped through a bunch of different distros i actually did some distro hopping which i hadn't done in a while that was a little weird oh wow why did you end up settling on garuda because i know it definitely wasn't your first choice when we were talking about it before ironically i figured chinese tablet why not go a chinese distro so i tried deepen um <laughs> scaling wise it worked but the way certain elements worked within the ui doesn't quite work for the tablet it's kind of weird and it's kind of hard to explain but it's just that and the application issue which is like i was trying to run a pseudo app you know like synaptic for the package manager nope doesn't exist oh okay we're going that way because deepen has changed a little bit of kind of where they based around their stuff so it was, well next distro because that isn't gonna work <laughs> Then I tried eLive, which is uh, like an Enlightenment 16 based DE based on Debian, which it works, but it has its own weird nuances because it's Enlightenment, which anybody who's used Enlightenment knows it's different. It doesn't play nice with the two different input methods of like when you detach the keyboard and go to use the touchscreen or vice versa, just that kind of stuff. So it doesn't have that seamless transition. And then I went to, I'm trying to remember the next distro I went to. What did I use after Oh, I went to, uh, I actually used another Garuda version, but I used Garuda Wayfire, which is based around Wayland. And I don't remember the exact thing it's based on. My brain's not working on it, but it's basically trying to re-implement Compez <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it uses Wayland and all that stuff, which is perfectly fine. But it didn't keep the scaling. So like I would change the scaling to two and it would go back to 4K. And it's like, no, oh, no, yeah. go back. But I would have to do that after every reboot, which was kind of annoying. A pain in the butt. Yeah. Definitely. So then I said, fine. And I went and installed Garuda Dragonized Edition. And that's where I'm currently sitting. I literally did that before the show. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Last minute. Yeah. Are you using that system right now? Probably not. Huh? I am not using it right now because I didn't have a lot of the production stuff tied in. So I would have to kind of rewire and rework and all the other stuff. But overall, from what I've used of it and typed on it and all that stuff, the keyboard has backlighting and all that stuff. It's not even backlighting, but it's backlighting. Some. The stylus works. For what I paid for, I'm not going to complain. It's a Surface device with surf specs and did not have to pay for, you know, <laughs> $2,400 for <laughs> I'd be curious about how the stylus and everything works. A device like that would be right up my daughter's alley, but only if she could still use it for drawing on Linux, like using Krita mm -hmm. with a much more powerful system on something like that. Well, so here's the catch 22. And this is what I was a little concerned about when I buy and this can probably eventually tie into the future topic here. So when I bought this, it was listed. When I went and checked after the last email I sent them about, hey, what's going on? I'd like to know. There is no listing for this device anymore. Mm. Oh, wow. So there's one of two things. It was a limited production device. Okay, cool, whatever. I'm not going to complain about that. That's par for the course for you, though. I remember that crazy laptop yes. you've had, the really wide one. Oh, the Toshiba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this was literally the product page was 404. It didn't exist. Whoa. And then if you search for it, it only brings up a Twitter post and a Facebook post done in Chinese. I'm not sure if they misposted this particular device and it was only meant for the Chinese market because when I booted Windows, it gave me the Chinese version of Windows. Oh, wow. Keep that in mind. And I'm not slagging many forums for this. What I want to say is if you're going to post a product, you might want to make yeah. some clarifications about the product. Like if it's going to ship, 
how long it's going to ship for. And communication is kind of nice for customers because we get a little cranky when you take our money and you give no communication about it. I would be hesitant right now, given my current experience, which is like 50-50 with Minis Forum, to purchase another device from that currently. Gotcha. However, there are other companies that do ship similar devices. I know Chewy is one of them that are more affordable, but they're not like super powerful. They're more Celeron, maybe i3 style devices, but they're Mm. generically like in the $500 price range. It actually looks like they have some smaller devices, minis form anyway, that, oh, I guess that one is 430. They're such a nice, compact, small size Mm -hmm. that I would love to have something like that for the build room. I would say if I was going to buy a device from minis forms again, The one that I would personally look at is probably the Neptune series because they have the 5800, I think it's the 5800 on the English site right now. If you go bare bones, now this has a dedicated GPU, keep that in mind. Mm. If you go bare bones, so you'd have to install your own RAM and SSD. If you go bare bones, you get a Ryzen 7 5800, so that's 8 core 16 thread, I think, and a dedicated 6600M, which is 8 gigs of RAM for $539 right now in a mini PC form factor. That's way more than I want to spend on a system for the build room, but I do like the size of them. Yeah, they do have far cheaper stuff, obviously, but they make good compact systems. I can't complain about the actual build quality of the systems. You can get 11th gen on Amazon. You also can buy on Amazon as well. Actually, probably two ninety five would be more up your price alley there one one day. Yeah, something like that. The first thing that pops up is a mini form Venus five sixty. It's a Ryzen five fifty six hundred sixteen gigs of RAM on a five twelve SSD. I was actually looking on eBay, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a mini form one, but I do like these nook style devices these little form factors though there is plenty of room for a full-size tower with the way the build room has been rearranged but these are so convenient in you can even just mount them on the back of the monitor base amounts yep anyway enough hardware looking (laughs) this isn't hardware sometimes i wonder hardware addicts like touche speaking of the build room and whatnot one day it seems like you're actually getting the main board in for your 3d printer finally is this the replacement to fix all the 3d printing issues you've been having (laughs) so yes yes recapping the long story the beginning of this year put a silent board in it had some issues with printing, mainly with having these really weird under extrusion issues. Thought some of it was related to the way the power is routed through the house. Found out that there was definitely a power issue with the board itself. Ordered another main board. That one was pretty much dead on arrival and could never get the firmware installed on that one. Went back to the original board that came with my under five plus. Printer was working just fine, but those annoying loud motor drivers made me go, okay, we definitely have to get another main board ordered. The one that I decided to purchase actually showed up on Monday. I've been busy for the last few days. Today is Wednesday, the day that we're recording. And today is when I finally actually got to start using the board. And I did not want it to be one of those situations again where I'm finally using it, figuring out what's going on, trying to get stuff installed and realizing, oh, I'm past the date for return. So I I wanted to get on this as soon as possible. And that's one of the things that I have been doing today. And one of the cool things about this board, I ended up going with the Big Tree Tech Manta M8P. And I also got the Big Tree Tech CB1 board. So that is the replacement or their version of the Raspberry Pi compute module. And everything installed so incredibly nice on this whole setup. Like firmware installing was an absolute breeze this time. Way better than it was even on that first board that I got, the SKR Mini, something like that. Installation of firmware was fantastic. Got the compute module, their version of it, onto the board. Got their version of the Raspberry Pi Debian OS. They do have it tweaked for exactly the board that they're using. So get the latest version of that from them. Installed the minimal. Then 
was able to add my Wi-Fi information to that SD card, popped it in there. And one of the really cool things about doing it this way was I was able to power the board over USB-C. So there's a little jumper cables on there, put the jumper in the right spot, powered the board over USB-C, was able to SSH into it, finished installing Clipper, Moonraker, Fluid, all of that got up and running just fine got the firmware file, got that made, and was able to flash it to the board, no problems, over USB-C. Had That was enough power. I wasn't actually running any motor sensors. I didn't have any of that connected, but got the firmware flashed just using that USB-C power. And once I knew that the firmware was on, because I didn't want to go through the work of taking everything out of the old board, placing it into the new board, only to realize that... Something was wrong with the new board and I have to pull all of those gosh dang little connectors back out again. <laughs> Never, ever want to do that again. So yeah, it worked. I've got it almost completely hooked back up. Everything has now plugged into the Manta board. I just have to get power to it. And because I've changed cases and everything, I've realized that the power leads that I have aren't quite long enough. So before I can actually get power put to the board in its place for the 3D printer, I need to go make some new wires. And I will probably do that after we are done recording the show. Go make some new cables, get those put back on, and actually fired up for the first time. I have a lot of work to do when it comes to actually getting the configuration file for the printer finished setup. But I was able to get the right serial port. It got listed, put that into the printer configuration file. Everything connected just fine. So now, really, the only thing I'm waiting on is having proper power leads to everything and then finishing input what I need to for that configuration file. I don't know that I will be able to have it printing by the end of this week. We've got a lot going on. We're actually going out of town for the weekend. So... I will be editing the show tomorrow and then Friday I've got to finish gathering whatever stuff that we need before we head out of town and I won't get back till probably pretty late Sunday night-ish this time, maybe Monday, I'm not entirely sure. So it'll be next week before I actually have time to get a good solid tweaked configuration file for the printer in relation to my Ender 5 Plus. But it's actually making progress and I am ecstatic about the fact that it actually has the Clipper firmware on it now, unlike last time where I couldn't get it flashed at all. Well, that's fantastic. I'm really excited that you got this working because having a project keep beating your head against it and you can't get anywhere is very frustrating. But the fact that you made some significant gains in this and are going to have a basically an awesome 3D printer with all the bells and whistles, and especially on the software side, that's really awesome. Super awesome. I'm definitely thrilled about that. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about this project in the past, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. K-I-A-U-H is the spelling of the project, but it makes getting Clipper, Moonraker, and Fluid installed incredibly easy on one of those minimal installations of Raspberry Pi OS. And it worked just as fine on the Big Tree Tech version of that for its compute module as it did on any Raspberry Pi that I've installed it on. Super easy. Makes it probably the fastest way to get installed, configured, and ready to go. If you are thinking about replacing your main board, installing Clipper, anything like that, I highly recommend that project. Makes it a breeze. Super cool. We seem to be on a hardware kick today. You finally got your hands on your framework laptop and you've already gutted it? Uh, no, not quite. No, I don't have my framework laptop yet. But I did get some framework guts ordered to put in my oh. daughter's pink retro style computer. I remember about six months ago. I 3D printed a computer, put a Raspberry Pi 4 in it, little UPS magic in there to, so it could run on a battery for a while. And it's been fine. I mean, it's Raspberry Pi powered, so it's not like you're getting any super performance out of it. Took it to Self with us. Uh, I took my kids to Self, to Southeast Linux Fest. And it was quite popular, especially with the older crowd there. They would uh, comment on how they worked on something just like that, except it was light blue and slightly larger and, and stuff like that. Can't remember the name of what it was. PDP something. Anyway, it has stickers all over it now. It looks kind of like a race car. But what I've done is I've ordered a 
framework mainboard, the battery, and some other components and such. So I can put framework guts inside of this and take out the Raspberry Pi, which, you know, has no power management, anything on it. So not really great for a desktop computer like this. The other thing is like, I want it to be a very usable machine, have good battery life, you know, still going to have the USB-C power thing. So a lot of things I've done to it already will just transfer right over, no problem. And it'll be you know more usable. Part of the problem with the Raspberry Pi powered thing is I'm right at the limit of what that little UPS can actually push out. So even if it's plugged in, it's still sort of draining the battery a little bit while trying to power the little screen and all the other components inside of it. So this will hopefully make it last a long time. It'll have all the power management features you have from like a modern computer. You know, now what ARM does for you. That was a shot at ARM, by the way, and single board computers in general. Although I love them, they're just not that great. I mean, that great for desktop computing. The price, uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, spendy. Not too bad. I mean, no worse than any of the other solutions. I think this is going to be a good solution. So I'm going to have to design some sort of cradle or something to basically hold onto the framework mainboard. It's an i5, by the way. The framework mainboard and the battery in, in such a way that it's not just rattling around in there. And then protect it so you can still use the inside as a storage and then route cables and such in a decent way. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think I'm up for it. You're going to be spending a lot more time in CAD and running some test prints and getting this all figured out, kind of like you did when you did the last one. I know you did some custom configurations to a previous design that somebody else had put out. And this is just taking it one step further. I do love the idea of finding these different framework parts and using them for something like this. Yeah, they are definitely going to be more expensive than a Raspberry Pi. You did have your Raspberry Pi on hand. I know they haven't been all that cheap lately as far as Raspberry Pis go for the last few years. Hopefully that'll be fixed. See the last episode of DL. Mm -hmm. But it is making a system that even if she decides, hey, I don't even like this form factor anymore, let's do something else. You can still take that hardware and put it in another form factor. Exactly. And also, if I want to upgrade it, like let's say this does get a lot of use out of it, although I can't imagine needing an upgrade for a long time. If I need to upgrade it or if something breaks or whatever, all those parts are very easily accessible. They're all QR code, so right. I can get a replacement, no problem. Anyway, I'm excited about that, and I'm looking forward to when those parts show up, and also my framework laptop, which is supposed to show up in June, but... Kind of like the Steam Deck did to me last year. I'm sure it's going to wait till the very last moment in the quarter. So, Nate, I'm literally hoping you get the knock on the door while we're recording the show. That would be cool. I would just leave the show, just so you're aware. <laughs> Nate left. Uh, we will see him next week. He's yeah. now currently playing with his new laptop. Well, I mean, it was no different than me stopping the show for about 20 minutes when I had to go and buy my Steam Deck. So, you know, it works all the same. Well, you didn't stop the show for 20 minutes. I guess we did get sidetracked as you were buying it or you were talking about buying it. But of course, we get sidetracked on the show the whole time. I was editing the last show and we were talking about Cousin Eddie and we were down that road and my daughter's looking at me like, this has nothing to do with Linux or technology or anything. And I'm like, yeah, it's just one of the rabbit holes we went down. Mm -hmm, totally. Yep, totally. Not that we would ever, <laughs> ever have side tangents at all. You know, I was so tired Never. during that last show. I have no recollection what we even talked about. I don't even remember doing it. I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely tired. I could tell while editing the show. Like I knew you were tired when we were recording it, but it was even more obvious as I was editing it. And I'm like, yeah, Nate needed some Was sleep. I slurring my words a lot? That could have been. No, you weren't slurring your words, but you were definitely like, can I go nap now without saying, can I go nap Was now? I slurring my words as bad as Matt? That's really the question. Oh, no. No, definitely not. But <laughs> Matt doesn't slur his words. He just adds these extra sounds between words. Oh, and four-letter expletives. Yes. He's good at those. Which I would never do. Right. That's a lie. <laughs> Visit linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support to ease of use and setup, it is clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, both big and small, since 2003. Don't worry if you're just getting started. That 24-hour, 7 days a week, 365 days a year support is offered to every level of user. They also offer industry-best price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high-memory, and GPUs. 
Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. Visit linode.com tux, create a free account, and you'll get a $100 credit. Say you're in a hurry. Don't worry about it. You can build everything yourself or use the Linode one-click apps to deploy everything from Plesk, WordPress, to Valheim and Minecraft servers. Make sure you visit Linode slash Tux to get started for free and snag that $100 credit while you're at it. There have been a couple of articles out there and some videos talking about utilizing somebody else's services and the violation of privacy that comes along with it, or even like losing access to services because somebody falsely accused you of saying a thing you didn't. One such topic that I thought was very interesting that was brought up as we were talking before the show was the a tale of unwanted disruption a week without Amazon. Kind of crazy story, really. So some guy gets locked out of his Amazon account entirely, his Amazon Echo, all his smart home services, any video, everything. Just totally locked out because somebody somewhere thought that he said an inappropriate thing. And I think that's just absolutely crazy. And it really underscored the reason why I self-rolled my smart house system. Quote, smart house. Really not that smart. My remotely controlled house, basically. And I think it gives credence to why getting locked into some vendor like Amazon's Alexa system or Google's, you know, whatever they call theirs, I can't remember now, Google Dud, as a, a backbone to, to your smart home. Because, well, one, Google is known for uh, not keeping anything around. And then obviously Amazon is, has demonstrated that they are irresponsible with how they treat their customers. So what say you about this crazy bit of news? It really reinforces to me the reason why I love open source. And one of the reasons why I would love to see open source projects like home automation, making your own quote unquote Roku style devices, a lot of those things where they are service oriented and there are a lot of companies that offer them, or I guess a few companies that offer them. And they're such a ready to go solution. I would love to see those ready to go solutions happen more with these open source projects because it's scary to me what people can agree to just because, hey, here's the solution that's ready to go. And if you read the EULA, which many people don't, then, you know, a lot of times you're either taking the device back or whatever. You're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. They'll never do that. And you've spent all of this time and money into creating your smart home because you want to be able to access different things. You want to be able to turn off the lights on the lights without touching them. My kids are horrible. And I'm saying this as someone with four kids, with this being the case, absolutely horrible about turning off the lights and being able to check and make sure, hey, did the lights get turned off and do that? Or in the case of one of the times when we left the house this spring, I'd gotten way too cold that evening. I turned the AC off because my feet were freezing. We left the house for the weekend forgetting to turn the AC back on. So we came home to a house that was sweltering. Thank you, springtime in Idaho. <laughs> Hot during the day and freezing at night. We're getting out of that. But being able to make some of those changes, adjust that, hey, I forgot to turn it back on, being able to correct that so the house is a comfortable temperature when you get home, not having the extra power drain of then the house having to cool down so much more because it wasn't turned on previously. That stuff is awesome. Being able to have a company without actual proof, say somebody's reported you've done this bad thing. We're now shutting down your connection with our servers. So anything that he had that was local is fine. But if it wasn't local and relied on those services, they're no longer accessible. There are so many of these companies and they're so large that there's no way that they can have that real quality personal interaction with you when something like that goes on. I know I've dealt with large company customer service and you're typically dealing with somebody who really doesn't want to be talking to people, but this is the job they have. So they're grudgingly doing it as they 
go through whatever steps need to be done. So between the data privacy, and I guarantee those services are taking data, using data, which is definitely a concern. And then the fact that out of nowhere, they can just be shut down. I want to see the roll your own services be easier to implement. I've only looked at some of them, like Home Assistant, I've only looked at it, some basic installing stuff. But when it comes to, hey, okay, I've got Home Assistant now on a main hub, a main device. What is it like in getting other devices connect to it? I know you've complained about, hey, I have found this switch, this whatever. So excited about it. Get it home. And then it's really not working all that great or you're struggling to make it work. So I can see why people go this route, but it just makes me want to see the open source options become easier for people to use. Yeah, I think that Home Assistant is actually fairly easy to set up. But if you are technologically adverse or you're not sure maybe how some fundamental network principles go, like you know, you really want to have your MQTT broker on a static address, you don't want a DHCP which moves around, then things stop talking. Like not knowing some little things like that, that can really trip you up real quick. That is an issue. It's not necessarily going to be an issue all the time, but there is a possibility that it could just, you know, happen. So understanding how to set up your network from, you know, a top-down approach is an issue there. Setting up something locally, you know, more challenging, I guess. But I think that the documentation and a lot of these open source projects are getting better and better and, and people are really putting a lot more effort into making it more easily understood, I guess. It's not as bad as one might think. But yeah, I think you're right. You know, if you want to get a home assistant, I have a great article on cubiclenate.com. Hashtag shameless self-plug. It was absolutely shameless. There was no shame in that game at all. I would expect nothing less. Or nothing more. <laughs> Touche. I'm kind of in the same camp with Wendy when it comes to like, I can understand why certain things like this, the Amazon ecosystem, essentially, the convenience factor and all that stuff. But like being able to just to like, we think you did something. You don't have access for the stuff you paid for. Guilty just by insinuation is kind of not fun when you basically get locked out of your house. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just I just have a severe problem with that level of smart home stuff from one company. Now, there are other, obviously, there's Apple and there's Google and all the other. The lack of choice, really, that most consumers are going to pick from are basically going to be those three. Generically, they're all kind of bad in just different ways. It's kind of like on phones pick your poison really is what it boils down to i don't know like this is why for me i've never gotten android boxes and all that stuff for like tvs and all that stuff i've always done cody boxes myself for all my local stuff i don't know what people do to a lot of these third-party machines i don't know it's the same deal and relying on those type of services and systems that can just stop working so the people decide is not ideal for a consumer perspective yeah and you brought up this really creepy piece of hardware <laughs> when we were trying to decide what we were going to do for a topic this week and yes we do not come to the show prepared we talk about it when we get here i listed it in the show notes as the terror tv this is from a company called telly they are gifting you a free tv free as in you're not paying for it but this thing is absolutely not free. It is taking so much data and intrusive enough to not only have a microphone, but a camera as well. And inside that data policy agreement, you're basically like, yeah, no problem. Video me, which I just, oh my gosh, I got <laughs> nauseous as you were talking about it and reading through those agreements. A lot of that holds true for your other stock standard streaming devices, especially ones anymore that come with microphones attached to them and the amount of time that those microphones can be on and the conversations that they can be listening to. Yes, they are trying to sell you more things, but what else is potentially being done with that data offhand? They're openly telling you that they're selling it to third parties, but that could be any number of third parties in which they could potentially be selling that data to. So 
not only is smart home automation safer in the hands of a DIY solution, so many of these streaming devices are definitely better off as a roll your own. I don't remember where I saw this. The original article that I found was for The Verge, but that's not where I first heard about it. Having read their privacy policy, like they have done everything possible to make sure you see ads and they sell your data. So if you were kind of paranoid about when like the original Xbox One launched with Kinect and how it was always going to be on and like Kinect was always going to be in your face with the camera and the microphone always being on and connected to the internet. Newsflash, we're kind of there <laughs> with companies like TCL, Roku-based TVs, and etc. We've seen companies go down this route where they do record stuff. This one's just creepier because by giving you a free product, you are agreeing to be recorded, be, you know, so many levels of, as bad as it sounds, so many levels of 1984 where it's like, you will be monitored all the time. Or if you want to go for more haha comedy, it's Idiocracy, the movie, where you become the yeah. product, you become the advertisement. That is really what it boils down to, because you have the camera, like you said, they sell you the data that is part of, the, as they would put it, activity monitoring, which means mm -hmm. using the camera, the voice, the, the way you search, the way you click, the way you interact with the TV, etc., like, there are so many things that make this just bad from a privacy perspective. They even mentioned the number of people in the room as you're using the device. And I wouldn't put it past them if things are being monitored even when the TV is quote unquote off. Oh, well, here's the thing. I did look in a little bit of the specs of this TV. The webcam has a privacy cover. Does it actually physically disconnect the switch? Or is it just a, you know, post-it note basically over the camera? Like it, <laughs> so unless they shut off the microphone and the webcam, basically, I wouldn't trust this thing any further than I can throw a 55 inch TV out the window. Might as well be running windows. You know what it reminds <laughs> me of? What? I don't know if you've ever seen Kingsman, but the first yes. version of it, when Samuel L. Jackson or his character is giving away the free phones, they're free, they're free, everybody gets one. And then, of course, it's supposed to be the end of society, the death of hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of mm -hmm. people. Yeah, this is kind of what that triggers in me. And I can only imagine what somebody hooking this up to a pie hole would end up like. <laughs> Especially on my system, it would be kind of crazy. I don't actually want one myself, but if you were to hook it up to a network that was running a pie hole, I know mine has not only some ad blocking on it, but one of the main features that I got it was to help block a lot of the tracking, the phishing, that kind of stuff is one of the key reasons that I have one on my network. What kind of things would work? Would it work at all with the one that I currently have and the way that I have it set up? I don't know. And I'm sure there was additional things you'd actually have to add to the network, but I'm sure that would be breaking the EULA if it didn't have access to those things. You know, I would play it. I don't know what's going on. I'm totally clueless. Why isn't it getting connection? I, I don't know. Why are you not getting the data? I don't get it. Hmm. You can't access the webcam? Weird. It's on. You want me to reboot it? Okay, I'll reboot it. I'll reboot it. That's what I would do. It's a faulty <laughs> TV. Nate. Yes? Your version of rebooting it in this case because of the privacy nightmare that it is would be literally you rebooting your foot so you can boot the tv screen <laughs> <laughs> taking a baseball bat to it yeah i think the vest amount on this tv was faulty because it just fell off the wall it was really weird i don't know what happened and i tried to catch it with my knee as it was coming down and and that's why there's a giant hole in the middle of the screen moral of the story be worried about things that are free oh yeah definitely some of these proprietary services that can just shut things down on a whim. I truly think anytime someone says, oh, this is free, you're like, what's the catch? At least I know with free and open source yes. software, the catch is you got to compile it yourself or, you know, get it from somebody who's compiled it and, and, and whatever else. But when somebody gives you something for free, if it's a phone, a TV, piece of hardware, whatever, you know, Amazon gives lots of, quote, things away. 
I just yes. don't trust it. There are some free services out there. Now, like Telegram, it's like free, but it's like a, they have a freemium model. At least I understand what their model is. Yeah. Discord, kind of the same thing. I understand that. I've come to terms with their model. I think they've negotiated it well. And there you go. But when someone gives you a piece of hardware for free, like, oh, by the way, and we're going to be listening in to you and watching you, uh, that's not free. To me, that is, you know, letting a stalker just hang out in your living room. Yeah, oh, yes. That's a great way to put it. That's no go. Now, I think the actual design of the TV itself with the sound bar and that smart little banner type screen below it, that's a neat idea. Because if you have like other bits of yes. information or if you could like browse things on that while your TV is going, like if it was smart like that, not absolutely atrocious as this is being executed. That would be fantastic. And they do say that if you don't agree to their terms that you can send back the TV or you will be charged $500 for the TV itself. And based on their policies, I still would not trust them even after not agreeing. So it's just best to not get yourself in a situation like that where you're like, I told them I don't agree and supposedly it's off. But how do you know? As you said before, whether it was you or Matt, do you have a physical disconnect for that camera, for that microphone? Because without that actual physical disconnect, how do I know that that data still isn't being gathered? Exactly. And the reality is, unless if you have something sniffing the network, you don't know. Having pie hole on there to, right. to monitor it and, and maybe even increase the level of scrutiny, you really don't. Right. Because that is one of the things I love about Piehole is you can actually open it up and see what is being regularly pinged. And that would let you know, hey, is this phoning home? And where is it phoning to home to? And being able to block those different things that they're using to pass that data along. It just seems like a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. And I'm hoping that we have a lot of people say it's not worth it to get this free TV for my privacy and everything else. And so it doesn't go any further from here. But as we've seen over the course of the years, people get more and more comfortable with just handing over their data. Yeah, I think one of the things being a tech enthusiast and so forth, it kind of makes me sad that I have to be so suspicious of any hardware I buy. Yeah. And I started becoming this way probably about 10, 12 years ago, about 2010, 2012, sometime around there. Because you know, it's like, I don't know what this hardware is doing anymore. I mean, I felt like I did at one time. And then now there's, you can have all kinds of things just hidden wherever. But, you know, things like Piehole yeah. and other such niceties that interrogate your network makes me feel a little bit better and trust, again, the hardware that I buy. But, you know, what can you do? Unfortunately, what it really boils down to, like you mentioned, if people have the option of basically big box store and just set it and forget it, which is the convenience mentality or actual to be, as you would say, safer then to use those options, the safer option currently is the DIY, but it requires more work, which most people are not going to be willing to put in because most people generically, honestly, we're the minority. They don't care about tech. Tech is a solution to whatever problem they're looking for. They're going to look for the lowest barrier to entry to solve that problem. I definitely get what you're saying as far as like the GUI and all that stuff. And I think part of that is where currently, not always, fall down is kind of the... Um, and I'm not talking documentation. I'm talking about like presentation setup for a person. Yeah. We tend to view this stuff as like pieces of a project or a product, but we don't view the overall ecosystem as a product sometimes. So we tend to not kind of centralize on like, I don't want to say user experience because I harp on that all the time, but like just that initial easing in a little bit better than we do on some of the stuff that we have. So I can see why people unfortunately go for the convenience over the safer route, which it's yep. unfortunate, but it's the reality. And I don't necessarily blame them because for people where technology is not their passion, they're just not going to want to do it. It's just the reality of the beast. Right. I don't blame them. Yep. I think it's kind of incumbent upon maybe tech enthusiasts, independent tech enthusiasts to start businesses and offer services to do these sorts of things. I've actually had people approach me and ask me to do it, but I kind of just don't want to. I mean, I could. Right. You know, those that are you know, have the ability and the knowledge perhaps should do these things. And there are solutions out there that I think would work quite well. 
It's just putting it all together at once. A complete package, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is the challenge. It's doable, but that's really the challenge. Someone can just use. You know, the reliability of a smart home system has been a problem. And I can say with a lot of confidence that with Home Assistant and the switches that I've used, most of them, I know which ones now, I could very confidently set somebody up. Now, I would not be using a Raspberry Pi. No way, no how, because they just don't have the horsepower sometimes. Like, they kind of fall on their face from time to time. I have to reboot mine because it just gets overwhelmed. It's probably fine for smaller setups, but, you know, the right computer coupled with the right switches and the know-how and the knowledge. And you're going to have to, obviously you have to understand electric currents and whatnot, probably get licensed and so forth. So that'd be a lot of work right there, but it's very doable. It's absolutely very doable. I'm very happy with the overall reliability. I'm going to be replacing the pie. I'm going to kick the pie out of that role. I'm very happy outside of that with how it's going, how it does backups. I mean, it's really pretty fantastic. It's doable and I think I could do it, but I just don't have the time right now. I mean, to offer it as a Cubicle Labs yeah. package deal. So now it's time for you to tell us what you think. Toss in your two cents or pence, you know, from wherever you're from and say, what do you think about these privacy intruding services out there? Would you buy a TV that spies on you? Are you okay with Amazon shutting you out of your own house? Leave us a comment or uh, send us an email because emails are fun. Hello, Magneto here. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we, well, that they use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password, as well as additional authentication such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. From me. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. $10 premium account includes one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, and TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, and Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move, like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like my wife, Sinister Wendy, You'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition only starts at $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for supporting this episode of Lennox Out Loud. Magneto out. Well, Matt, you got yourself a GameSphere segment. It sounds like you've lost your memory. No, I have not lost my memory, unfortunately. Lost your mind. That, <laughs> you would not be wrong. He lost that a long time ago. Oh. Whatever episode one was with Nate, then yes, I lost <laughs> my mind that long ago. Well, considering we're on episode 67 right now, so we're just over a year. Oh, no, I meant prior, even the before that. Oh, gotcha. First episode. <laughs> So, yes, this particular game is called Memory Loss Chapter 1, and it is on Steam and is currently free. So it is like a prologue to uh, a game called Memory Loss. I guess you can call it kind of a twin-stick shooter. I'm trying to give references for styles of games Nate would have played. Nate, like Gradius, but in a 3D space with 3D models. Yeah, I guess. I'm looking at it, and I don't know about that. It's definitely <laughs> top-down from what I can see. Like ISO top-down. It's a isometric, so very um, CRPG, Infinity Engine-style game as far as the... Or Diablo 1, you know, the go all the way back, if that's probably still too new for Nate. Oh, there we go. Diablo 1. I got gotcha. you. So as far as the camera angle reference... A survival game as far as what you're doing, shoot all the enemies, win the game, and that's pretty much it. But uh, it does focus on a narrative. This is kind of the first portion of the game that they're offering for free. Looks nice. It's a rated M game, so do keep that in mind. It's not super long because it's obviously just one portion of the game, but I think it was an interesting highlight. It worked for me on Linux. I don't know if it's going to work for everybody on Linux, uh, so, you know, there is that. It does look like it should work just fine on Linux because when I'm looking at system requirements, it does have a tab for SteamOS plus Linux, so that is pretty awesome. And it also looks like this is more of a demo from the game, the actual game Memory Lost has not been launched yet they're looking yeah. at later this year so 
I do love the fact that they have a version of it. You can test out the game. You can see if you like it before you buy the game. I hope they keep this chapter one still up after they launch the game. I love it when they do that. I love it when a demo is offered. Like a shareware, pretty much like the old shareware games that they would put out. What I've noticed a lot of developers doing, instead of calling them like demos, quote unquote, a lot of them have been using more what they call like the game name and they'll put like prologue in it. So it's like that way people understand it's the beginning of the game, essentially, instead of the calling it a demo. Again, I just think it's cool that more developers are doing this. And I'm actually kind of interested to see what the actual game is when it's pushed out in, uh, I believe it's Q3 this year is what they're saying. So yeah, that's what it's saying. Mm -hmm. So July to Q3 being eight, you're the one in that end of the spectrum as far as stuff. What is it that July, August, September? Yeah. So we're in there. Yeah. Somewhere in there, depending where businesses aim for. I think it's cool. I think it's a neat little game and demo to try out. So if you want a story-focused game to see if you're going to like it, give it a shot. Like you said, totally free. As far as price, <laughs> not open source, price. I'm not sure about this game. So it looks like a fighting game, but then you have like cutscenes where people are doing like the inchworm and dancing. I, I don't really understand that. Juxtaposition between these giant... <laughs> flamethrowers and lightning strikes and then dancing i'm like i don't know it's just a little weird nate if you find that weird go look up some team fortress 2 stuff and you'll find that even far more strange it looks like a bad dream to me that's just how i look at it spinning on your head head banging and then zapping each other or burning each other to death while dancing so i guess you could say they're (laughs) dancing on their grave i guess yeah and everyone's Yeah, pretty much. This section of the show has been removed. You are welcome. Anyway, so while I'm giving game recommendations and getting feedback from Nate, which is always so useful. <laughs> Wendy, it seems like you have some listener feedback to give, though. I do have some listener feedback, and this is actually from Jean, the same awesome listener who I was a guest on his show that I talked about last week. And in this feedback... He suggests adding some chapters, some quick links inside the podcast themselves. So I tried that once before. We are using Fireside right now in order to get the podcast out. The network has been looking into some different options to replace Fireside, but they haven't yet. We're still on that server, that distribution path, whatever. Inside Fireside, I can add chapters. They say it's experimental. Like I said, I did it once and then checked the show on, I think it was Spotify, and I didn't see the chapters. So after this feedback from Gene, the last episode, episode 66 of Linux Out Loud, it's a hundred of something. I can't remember. I'd have to go look what that number is if you're seeing it in your podcast feed that I did the chapters on it again inside of Fireside. If that works and in your podcast app that you're getting the show, if you see that you can actually click on the chapters inside your podcast app, I will continue to do that. If I don't get feedback from listeners, where they are expressing that, yes, it's working, then I won't do it. It adds another eight to 10 minutes to my half hour or so long upload process. It's worth it to me if you guys actually get something out of it. It's not worth it to me if I'm doing it and then it's not useful to anyone if you're not actually seeing those results in your podcast app. So I would love to hear back from everyone I did it on episode 66. I will do it on this episode 67 and then report back. Did it work? Did it not work? If it worked, like I said, I will go ahead and add it to the process in which I do all of the upload stuff. If it doesn't work, then I'll drop it. So thanks for that feedback, Gene. We do read that. Sometimes I don't always get to respond. There's a lot of responses I need to get to on multiple shows from the past. I've still been trying to get caught up around the house. I did read it. I did implement something about that. So if it works, report back. If it doesn't work, still report back. And then we'll see how it goes from there. Nate, you've used Wayland before and ended up dropping it because you were having some stuttering issues. There were some things that you weren't able to use under Wayland. 
You've now switched back. Is this a yay? We're going to continue or a nay? You're going back to X11 again. It's kind of a yes and no. I've had great success with Wayland. I'm running OpenSUSE Tumbleweed with Plasma 5.27.6 using kernel 6.3.7. And here are the positives. It's not laggy when I have lots of windows and tabs and things open. So it's doing great there. Hayden Live is not laggy when doing video editing. That's fantastic. Vert Manager and VirtualBox both play nice with Wayland. Zoom still crashes, so there's that. And uh, Synergy or QSynergy and Barrier are both still absolutely useless. It's not quite ready for my use case, but for those that don't use Zoom and those that don't use Synergy or Barrier, you know, the virtual KVM, it'll be great for you. So because I use those applications, it will not work. You know, maybe it means I need to try using Jitsi instead of Zoom, but that's just not how I'm going to work. Uh, because I want the software I want and I'm not going to make changes outside of that. So anyway, that said, it is absolutely working fantastically well. I can almost forget that I'm using Wayland. It's working that well. It's buttery smooth. Everything you want out of Wayland outside of those two little bits for me. Good news is what it is. It's very good news. So does that mean on non-production machines, you are using Wayland and on the one that you have to record Linux Saloon or that kind of stuff, production machines having to use the vert manager and the like, those ones are on X11. So you're running both depending on what the system's doing? Yes, basically. I'll run Wayland until I can't on the laptop. My main desktop, no, I'm not going to mess with that. There's no point in messing with it there. You know, for my laptop, and I'm not doing Linux Saloon with it, yeah, I could absolutely use Wayland on there. No problem. Not a lick of problems, as long as I'm not using Zoom. Bounce back and forth. I know that sometimes with Plasma, you can choose whether you're using X11 or Wayland, as you can just log out and bounce back and forth between the two, if that's something that you want to do. That's essentially what I've done. I'll bounce back and forth with it. Like right now on the laptop, I'm using Wayland just because I've been using it. It's a nice experience, so I'll keep it. But if I have to do Zoom with it or anything of that nature, then I'll have to log in with X11. Well, I'm glad to see some progress happening with this. And I'm so, so glad that you are willing to be the guinea pig for us and report back how it's working. So once it's all going buttery smooth for you, I'll jump on that bandwagon. Well, great. I think Matt probably could since he doesn't do anything with his computer anyway. Nate, so much I could say. <laughs> and you don't have to say anything and you've said it already. Exactly. You said it all in that uh, picture you shared in the private discourse form. <laughs> I don't know if Nate saw that one yet. It's the one that I sent Matt? No, it's in Discord. Um. <laughs> um. I wish I could give you context, but if it was a series of words, it would also be on the beep section of the show, but hilarious nonetheless. I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> is it irony or... Oh, I, I'm gonna assume irony for uh, for my peace of mind. <laughs> and oh, nobody's ever going boy. to know <laughs> the laughter oh. or the reason for it anyway. Oh, oh. Let me tell you who are listening to the show. It's good. I wish you could share it with you. If we had an after hours oh, podcast, yeah. it would be great. But unfortunately or fortunately, you just don't get the picture. I think fortunately or unfortunately is, is the correct answer. It's not it's those two things together. Like I'm glad and a little disappointed we can't share it all at the same time. Well, Wendy, you would be totally yeah. right that they don't get the picture. Oh, ah, you're welcome, Nate. You know, Matt, I'm so glad I know you, I think. <laughs> no, that's the term, I think. I think. Thank you, Matt, for enriching my life. <laughs> oh. Or whatever the opposite enriching would be. <laughs> Wendy, Magneto's going to hear this back and he's going to be like, what the hell are you guys laughing about? 
actually, it's late enough he's home, so I'm sure he's sitting in the living room wondering what in the heck we're laughing about, actually thinking that the show might be over. So I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't cracked the door yet to figure out what is going on. I'll definitely share all the details with him in just a minute after we wrap up the show. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can see the look on his face right now. Like, what in the world is going on in there? He probably thinks somebody's sick. He will probably think, what goes wrong with you guys? <laughs> no, he has heard me as we record Hardware Addicts before. And I would have to say that pre and post show is full of a lot of the same banter for Hardware Addicts. So yeah, it's perfect. Hey, Nate, want to wrap up now? Uh, well, I probably shouldn't use that terminology. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> we don't want anything to get rearranged here, do we? Well, now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact. If you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Loon, and more at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting Tux Digital Merch Store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be here shirt or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome sode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversations somewhat on topic, and let's have fun doing it. Mm -hmm.